Welcome to Churches Planting Churches, a podcast on the theology and practice of church planting. I'm your host, Tony Morita. The priority of disciple making is undeniable according to the Bible. Jesus himself made it abundantly clear we're to make disciples of all nations. This lies at the heart of the church's mandate, to make disciples who make disciples. And church planting is a catalyst for this very endeavor. Therefore, church planters must be those who are able to develop a culture of biblical discipleship in their churches. If we want to see the glory of God advance in the world through the planting of healthy churches that plant other healthy churches, then discipleship must be one of our highest priorities. But how does discipleship catalyze church planting? And what exactly do we mean by biblical discipleship? To help us think about these things, I'm excited to have my friend Scott Zeller with me on the podcast today. Scott is the executive pastor at Redeemer Church in Dubai. He also serves as associate director for Emerging Regions with Acts 29. He's married to Angela and they have four children. Scott, welcome to the podcast. Excited to be here. So good to see you, man. All the way from Dubai um, on a stateside trip here. Um, it's been great, man, just to, to hang out some and uh, excited to, to jump into this subject. Why don't you tell uh, the listeners a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith, uh, how you got to Dubai? Sure. Yeah, definitely. My, uh, my story really relates to this topic of discipleship because um, my parents came to faith around the time I was born through discipleship. Uh, they were, although claiming to be Christians, were not Regular church attenders were not walking in faith in any way, and over dinner, uh, some believers uh, were not satisfied with their answers and took the intentional step of trying to help them imitate Christ and know Christ for the first time, and so push them towards faith in Christ and the gospel. And so from that, my, my parents became passionate disciple makers. I grew up in a home that was passionate about ha- having people in the home, uh, making disciples through the church, investing in people. And so um, my discipleship started with my father's discipleship and his discipleship in me, Went on to a youth pastor that took me under his wing, took me on missions trips to Canada, to Guatemala, um, and then in college, being discipled by a brother who was transitioning out of a career in sales into missions in Uganda, who uh, took me under his wing and said, hey, I want to help you walk in faith, and he invested in me. And so really all along the way, um, my growth in Christ has come at the hand of faithful men and women that have invested into me. And so by God's grace, was saved at a very young age. Uh, in thanks to those the Lord put around me. So on that track, eventually we ended up in India. My wife and I wanted to make disciples amongst the 2,300 unreached people groups in India. So we placed ourselves in Delhi, India to help plant a church there. After a few years, the Lord transitioned us to Dubai. And so we've been there now for a number of years, seeking to make disciples of all the nations the Lord's gathering in that city. So Mm -hmm. Now, where did you grow up? I grew up in Dallas, Texas. Yeah, born in Los Angeles, grew up in Dallas. Wow. L.A., Dallas, Dubai. Talk to us about Dubai. Yeah, Dubai is a phenomenal city. Nine out of ten people in Dubai are from somewhere else. And so it is an international city. It's a global city, multicultural city. Uh, But because so many of those people are from so many different places, English is the common language. And so we worship as a church of about a 1,000 people every week uh, from 60, 70 nationalities, all gathering together uh, in English, worshiping the Lord together. All we have in common is Christ. Uh, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm, it's amazing, man. We want to talk about uh, discipleship uh, and church planting uh, here on the podcast. Uh, Mark Dever has a, a little book on discipleship where he defines it uh, really simply. 
as helping people follow Jesus. Yeah, I love that. Um, and that's what we're that's what we're called to do is to help people follow Jesus. So um, take us through uh, maybe just some experiences uh, in in Dubai where you you've seen people um, come to faith and just how how that what that looks like of of taking someone because where I want to go is kind of if you will 301 401 discipleship mm, with yeah. how do we right. how do we keep maturing people in the faith how do we keep seeing them develop and be equipped for ministry even another church plant um, but the early stages what does that look like what are some of the challenges that you guys have faced there yeah I mean so many things come to mind but you know in, in Dubai because of the uh, peculiar relationship that we have with the government there we're guests of a, of a in a kingdom and so we seek to honor that and express our gratefulness for that. Um, sort of by being under the radar a bit. And so uh, our our method of growing the church is not big, uh, flashy programs or advertisements, um, but we depend on the faithful discipleship of our members to be reaching out to those that are in their office places and their uh, neighborhoods. And so we encourage that. We say we want every member engaged in the process, just as you said, of helping others imitate Christ. If that person is far from Christ, then it's introducing them to the truths of Christ through the scriptures. And if that person is new in Christ, well, then it's helping them take those steps of what the first steps of what it looks like to follow him in repentance and faith. And so that is, that's our ministry model in many ways, uh, helping others imitate Christ and having all of our members engaged in that. That's good. What, what does it look like uh, at Redeemer just uh, preaching small groups, uh, perhaps classes? What, what are some of the intentional things that you guys are uh, in, in addition to this life on life, uh, what, what are you trying to kind of help oversee as a pastor there in discipleship? Yeah, well, something that we we often find in in folks that are coming to faith in Christ from African or Asian backgrounds, and ninety percent of our churches is that is that when we start talking about discipleship, what they have in mind is mentorship. They have in mind the older guru, uh, sage guy or girl or lady. Uh, who is uh, reaching the end of their journey and is now uh, blessing others with their fountain of wisdom that they've discovered. And while that's a blessing to the church if we have those folks, uh, for sure, we don't often. And and the discipleship is not limited to that. So we just we try and expand their categories of discipleship using that very phrase that you did, that it's helping others imitate Christ. So that can be done through friendships. That can be done through mentorships. Uh, it can be done in casual conversations. It can be done in formal, structured, multi-week gatherings where you're reading a book together, whatever it is. Uh, but the principle remains the same, is that in all of my relationships, I'm seeking an intentionality that helps that other person walk closer with Jesus Christ. And if I'm doing that, then I'm making disciples. And so we really just try and expand people's categories through our preaching, through our groups. That's that's what we're trying to do is help them not just think of it in that uh, older person to younger person mentality. That's one model. Uh, but then there's many, many more. And so to see a real culture of discipleship coming up in a church, it's got to have that diversity of, of effort. Yeah, one, one of my favorite illustrations for um, teaching uh, in terms of the context in which we get to teach and disciple is uh, is uh, with with golf clubs. And, and I don't have much use for, for golf clubs other than this one illustration. Um, you, you know, you have the, the woods and you have the irons and you have the putter. And I liken preaching to the woods. You know, they're big, they're showy, they, they, they cover a lot of ground. Um, and that's one important way we're discipling people, teaching people, is from uh, the pulpit and corporate worship. And then you have the irons, which uh, are a little bit more finesse. I liken that to smaller groups where there's dialogue and interaction. Um, the old guys who golf are usually really good uh, at the at those uh, the, the irons, and then you got that really strange putter in, uh, or club in your bag called the putter uh, that um, it, you know is 
are really, you know, putting is difficult. Um, and it's always struck me that uh, when you go to a golf course and you see guys practicing before uh, golf, the guys who aren't very good are always swinging their driver. Um, because they, they really like the look of that ball flying. But the really good golfers are working on the putting game because, as the, as the golfers say, you, you drive for show and putt for dough. Mm-hmm. That's, that's where the money is. And what I've found in uh, – and I liken the putter to like one-on-one, two-on-one, life-on-life teaching. Um, I have found that through the years um, just observing and, uh, and observing my own life uh, that a lot of pastors, um, they don't really have a putter and they, they don't – use their irons very much like so much of their discipleship ministry is reserved for that that corporate worship time mm-hmm. which again is vitally important but when you have passages like 2 Timothy 2 2 where Paul says to uh, entrust to faithful men what you've heard from me so that they can teach others also that that seems to be more life on life more in the realm of oh, yeah. the the irons and the putter uh, than, than it is uh you know, two Timothy four would preach the word, which is more of a right. driver, it seems. You know, um, and I just think it's important that we, as as pastors and leaders, also um, not neglect these these important uh, opportunities we have to teach, whether it's around a table with some guys, where you're, whether you're taking them to a conference. You're, we're just always teaching, right? We're right. we're always discipling, uh, and we're also always being discipled uh, because we never. We never graduate the school of Christ when, when it comes to discipleship. The, the, our whole life, we're going to be lifelong learners. Uh, as Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, that continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Like keep learning and keep believing uh, that which you've uh, been taught. Um, and so that's just an exhortation uh, and a reminder that our ministry is, is a lot more than, than the pulpit uh, when it comes to corporate worship. When I thinking of of what you're saying, you know the qualifications for an elder in uh, in one Timothy three, where Paul was aware of gathered formal worship environments and religious instruction environments, synagogues, schools of uh, you know schools that people were being trained for ministry, and yet he chose to emphasize to elders the home and, and their daily life being thought of well by outsiders, and so the context in which Paul was hoping these elders would be able to teach was just in that basic stuff of life. Can they parent their kids? Can they have people in their home and have those people come out of that home walking closer with Christ because they entered it? You know, can they be thought of well by the outsiders that they're engaging with in business? And so, yeah, just to, just to agree with that, that, uh, yes, yeah, certainly we need those that are called into vocational full-time ministry that are doing that well uh, through the preaching event and a weekly gathering. But so much of, of the, the real teaching and discipleship that happens in the life of the church is happening outside of that. Yeah, right, right. you got numerous passages, right, to teach and admonish one another. Um, that that we're, we're always uh, gospeling each other and looking for opportunities to to uh, commend Christ to one another and uh, in, instruct encourage um, and we do this on phone calls we do this as we see each other you know um, very important now another topic when it comes to uh, discipleship is um, the need for uh, equipping and training uh, women and I would love to hear given your your context especially. Um, just, just first of all, that we, we want to affirm that women are, are both disciples, uh, and disciple makers and that they should be learners. They should be theologians. Not everybody believes that. Like I've heard some whack stuff when it comes to the, 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 uh, the teaching of women. Um, but man, we really, we really want to say that this great commission is for men and women. Amen. And, and, uh, we, we want them to, to know the scriptures. We want them to, 
to, to be able to teach and, and uh, flourish, uh, you know, as, as God places them uh, in mission, that uh, our work of church planting, our work of mission is not relegated to, to men, um, but women are active participants in it. As you yeah. see Paul listing a number of women in uh, Romans 16 who are, who are obviously co-laborers in the gospel. Uh, and so while we hold to, hold to a, a complementarian position uh, as Acts 29, um, that that doesn't mean that uh, we're not we don't want to intentionally uh, uh, focus our discipleship not just with men but but with women. What does it look like at at Redeemer? And, and give us your thoughts on that. Oh yeah, well uh, again, like you said, we're unashamedly complementarian. Uh, we believe that Lord has called men to lead in the church and at home, and believe that's got part of His good design. Um, and it's not burdensome, but it's a joy. Uh, and at the same time. It's not a, it's not a, you know, a but to that or a contrast to that. You know, we're complementarian, but we also like women. It's just, no, we're complementarian and we love our sisters in Christ and believe that for their flourishing, that's the way it should be. And so we desire for them to be full partners with us in disciple making. Uh, I think I picked that up. I'm really helped by some of uh, what's coming from Seven Mile Road Church um, yeah. and uh, the partnership in Acts 29 through them of of hearing what they're up to there and discipling women. So we're actually sending some of our ladies from uh, Dubai to their conference that they're putting on in Boston uh, here in a couple months. And so I love uh, that emphasis on making disciples. So for us in Dubai, um, you know, we're, we are emphasizing that, seeking to have the ladies uh, be, number one, trained in how to handle the scriptures. Uh, so we do a monthly expository, uh, how to study the Bible. They're working through First Peter right now. Um, any of the ladies in the church can come. They just do observation, uh, interpretation, application there as a group. Um, and so we're trying to get them into the scriptures so they can study it well together. And then saying that, hey, the goal of this larger gathering is so that you guys would get together. You ladies, I should say, you ladies will get together um, after this and look at the scriptures and, and really press into each other's lives and apply this um, or other scripture to help each other grow in Christ. And so just that's our first step is seeking to help the help the ladies grow for themselves and how to understand and apply the scriptures. Another another one is just a third of our church is single women. And so really trying to think through with them, what does it look like to steward their singleness well, um, to bless the church and to, to minister to the city? And so that's something that we're just kind of at the first steps in doing. But I think it's an intentionality for us that we don't want to simply see men raised up into leadership of the church, but we want to see the women raised up at the same time so that kind of as the gospel goes deep in our church, kind of all boats rise, mm. uh, you know, with the tide. So that's that's our hope. That's our goal. We'll see. It's good. It's good. Scott mentioned uh, the work at uh, Seven Mile Road Church. Um, Matthew Cruz and Patty Roselle. We've had them on the podcast. Phenomenal so, podcast. You got to yeah. go listen. Kalos Conversations, download their podcast. Your church will be blessed. Yeah, we interviewed um, Matthew and Patty, and um, but I do commend their podcast as well in this conference. They're doing, doing some really good stuff, man. Yeah, um, <clears throat> let's talk for a second about um, the, the role of mission in, in uh, sanctification. I think um, I've been really struck by John 17. We're, we're working through the Gospel of John currently at our church and how Christ says that um, he prays, uh, Father, sanctify them uh, in the truth. Your word is truth. And then in the next uh, sentence, he, he says, I'm not asking you know that you take them out of the world, but I'm sending them into the world. And so you've got this, this idea that we're, A, uh, set apart from sin, and we're set apart also for mission. And 
Jesus doesn't want the disciples to go. Uh, actually, they're going to follow him in his way, just as the Father sent him. He sends them. That's what a disciple is. He's following after the likeness of Christ. He's separated from sin, but he's not isolated from people. He's, he's engaging the world, right? And with that thought is, is that we're not only sanctified for mission, but we're sanctified through mission. Even the idea in John 17 that sanctify them in the truth doesn't simply mean your word is truth, that it's information download, that it's truth that's lived, right? It's not just learning, though that's essential, but it's it's living it. We are sanctified as we are living in this truth, um, in, in the word. So there's a, there is a, a sanctifying aspect of obedience. And I've, I just find in my own life, and as we preach through this, just hearing feedback in our church, it's, it's just very important for people to see that if you aren't doing mission, there is something lacking in your growth in holiness. And, but what mission does is it, it, it ignites your prayer life and you know, it makes you desperate. It, it gets your eyes on Christ and what matters in life. It's, it's not only for the good of the lost, but it's also for the good of your own soul right. is, is actually putting your truth into practice and, and living it out. So I just think it's important that in our discipleship of people, we're discipling them in view of mission, right? That we're, we're, not, we're not just stopping with some basics, mm-hmm. but like we want, we want this gospel to be uh, embodied in the world, right? So talk to us a little bit about the challenge of that in, in your context, mm-hmm. um, pathways perhaps you're giving people or ways you're encouraging them to engage the city uh, and any stories you've got along the way. Yeah, well, we, we definitely do that. Um, you know, we've been really helped by, I mean, all of Scripture, obviously, but recently been studying in Ephesians um, and where Paul is, he's bringing that connection of the fullness. So the, the, in Colossians, it's the fullness of God is pleased to dwell on Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, he's saying that Christ is the one who fills all in all his bo- through his body, the church. Um, and then he's, so this idea that then the fullness is going to be going throughout the entire world, the glory of God uh, in the in the church and in Christ Jesus. And so that's our that's our hope is people are built up in their inner man, in their inner being. They're being strengthened uh, by Christ, who's dwelling in their hearts. That then that's that's expanding. That's that's how He's able to do all that He all be, everything beyond all that we could ask or think is by strengthening us in our inner being, so that the church could be making known the manifold wisdom of God. So just drawing together some of those themes, it is that we want to be on mission as growing, maturing disciples and. Growing, maturing disciples will be on mission. And so I think both go hand in hand exactly together. I think ways that we've seen that is we've seen people come in Dubai that come actually from Christian backgrounds. Uh, they've grown up in churches in other parts of the global south, and they have some general biblical knowledge, but they've never been challenged to be on mission. And so when we uh, encourage them towards that, like, what would it look like for you to take this deposit that you have in your heart, invest it in somebody else? Many times we're, we're opening up new categories and saying, wow, I've, I've never thought about that. Um, you know, again, I'm not that older person. I'm not that pastor. Um, I didn't realize that was something that uh, could be um, something that I'm called to. But then just seeing the joy. I think one of the things I'll always remember is we had a, a, a members gathering where we were just telling some stories going on in the church. And we had a, a, a two guys get up and give testimony to their discipleship relationship. And it was a younger Nigerian guy who is discipling an older Indian guy, which for a variety of reasons uh, is just very bizarre, 
Um, the, those cultures don't work. Uh, the age gap doesn't work. Uh, the direction of the discipleship doesn't work. Uh, it's blowing up categories all over the place. Neither of them in full-time ministry, by the way. Um, but they're just meeting up faithfully early morning before work, studying the scripture together. And to hear this older Indian brother say with all humility, just how much he had been encouraged by the investment of time and energy and thoughtfulness of this younger Nigerian brother, um, was just so encouraging to our church as they realized, oh, I'm, I would be growing as I try to help other people grow. Um, so we just, I mean, yeah, we seek to encourage that. That's our, that's our model for maturity is, are you multiplying? Yeah, that's excellent. It's excellent. <clears throat> now, Scott, you're the associate director for Emerging Regions. Uh, what is Emerging Regions? What are we doing in Acts 29 with Emerging Regions? Yeah, so Emerging Regions is is basically everywhere where there's not a formal Acts 29 network, we're trying to help get one started. So Emerging Regions is a network development tool. Uh, we're primarily active in um, in Africa, Asia, um, sort of East, Eastern Europe. Uh, you've been very helpful with that, obviously, Tony. Um, and so that's really what Emerging Regions does is we, we seek to find folks that are like-minded, that they're attracted to our distinctives of, as Acts 29. Uh, they're pastoring churches. They're, uh, and they're desiring to partner with others and multiplying churches, and they feel like they would be kindred spirits with us as a network. And we're just seeking to, to put flesh to that idea of Acts 29 being a diverse global network so we're not a mission sending agency. Uh, that's not what Emerging Regions is trying to do, mobilize Americans to go to new places. That is a function uh, of what we do. And so we would partner with other agencies that are uh, doing all the logistics and handling that. So we're we're happy to have that be a part of what we're doing. Uh, we'd love for those hundreds of Acts 9 churches in the States to mobilize two Acts 9 churches around the world. Um, but that the goal is that church-to-church partnership mm-hmm. so that churches are planning churches uh, throughout the world. Uh, and doing that to the glory of God. Mm, amen. I have the privilege of being on that Emerging Regions team, and I've done a, a bit of work in Eastern Europe. My actual responsibility is East Africa uh, with, uh, I think, 11 countries. No big deal. Just no big deal, yeah. Trying to, uh, but we've we've done some, some work um, that's proven to be very fruitful in Kenya and um, really hopeful um, in the future that we can uh, identify, train uh, pastors, leaders, uh, see healthy churches. That's really what we want. Is is not just churches, but healthy churches, mm-hmm. and uh, healthy churches that are led by uh, healthy pastors, healthy leaders. Talk to us about the need for training uh, as we we as we think about discipleship moving from kind of new believer. Uh, they're incorporated into the life of the church, discipled in the context of community. Um, we're, we're training them to, to multiply. So we, we've talked about various stages, if you will, levels of discipleship. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pastoral training um, is, you know, a, a, a unique kind of, of discipleship, but it's it's still, I would put it under that broad umbrella of, of, of training, equipping. In fact, we, we often say in Acts 29, our assessment process is a discipleship process. That's right. Because we what it really is about is digging into people's lives and to look at their preaching, consider their beliefs, their their weaknesses, and it's a really uh, sharpening, uh, important time. You know, it's really wonderful to have that amount of care and attention be given to you. Though a lot of people, I think they hear assessment negatively uh, when they first hear it. That that once you actually explain it like like that, that I mean, this is for your good, and not only is it for your good, it's going to be for the good of your marriage. It's actually going to be really good for your church. And uh, so, um, but we've had some challenges in various parts of the world with with uh, pastor training. So let's let's hit first the need, and you can speak to that really well, and then some of the challenges we're, we're dealing with. Yeah, the need I would say 
it's not an exaggeration to say that the need is desperate. Um, there is a desperate need. I've heard phrases like theological famine, theological poverty. I think all of those are true. Um, you know, in Dubai, we are, uh, again, like I said, 90% of our church is African, Sub-Saharan African and, and Asian. Uh, and so what we have there is really a cross-section of the church in the global south. I've been so encouraged by their spiritual vitality, uh, their embrace of truth when they hear it, um, and also very discouraged by the by the the just the the sadness of the stories that we hear of the churches where they've come from. Um, again and again, every week I hear the 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 encouragement, the 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 question from our congregation: Could we plant a church like this uh, where we came from? Uh, and that's not because we're doing something very special. It's just because we're the first Bible-based, grace-oriented church that they've been part of that's really pointing them to Christ and maturity. And so the need is desperate. Um, there's there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, you know, limited access, limited time. A lot of pastors in different places are bivocational. They don't have time to go off to seminary. Uh, they don't. Um, they're not from a reading uh, culture or background. And so there's we can't just simply translate our materials and put them on the internet and trust that things are happening. Uh, but it's going to take that relational approach, finding out what are the needs on the ground in those particular places where we can help these brothers and sisters grow up into uh, disciple makers that are following the pattern of sound doctrine that Paul lays out, that the scriptures lay out. Yeah, and what we've what we've observed uh, around the world, uh, and many of our listeners, I'm sure, have, they, they've observed this as well, is that um, the people tend to believe what they've been taught, and often if there is an absence of sound doctrine, that's that's why they haven't believed it. That um, they've they've filled up that uh, uh, their mind with with something else in its place, mm-hmm. and so the, the, there's a such a great need as you're talking about theological famine to saturate the nations with sound doctrine. Yeah. That's that's my great prayer, and uh, and that's 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 the work we're doing in emerging regions. And we've also observed how just online training is not sufficient. And many of them, many of the guys we've interacted with, they they can't even get online, you know, or it's limited or it's spotty. It's so that's not that's not an option uh, for for a lot of guys. And then one of my biggest burdens has been most theological training that's offered is kind of undergrad, grad level. It's very formal, um, but the majority world, as I see it. Uh, is needs something before that. There's there's like pre-training, right. uh, basic discipleship that has to be done. And uh, most schools, seminaries, they're not really touching that uh, demographic. And so what we're trying to do is really identify uh, really good leaders in emerging regions that they can they can be a leader of leaders uh, in their context. Because I think another challenge with theological training and discipleship in parts of the world uh, like emerging regions is what we have given them is a very Americanized version of, right. of the church. Like it's not a context-sensitive uh, training approach. That's right. I, when I was in Kenya recently, I remember saying to the guys after talking about this, like the biblical principles are timeless, but there's a flexibility in, in how you apply these principles. And so I said, do church for Uganda you know, or Kenya, mm-hmm. uh, not America. Right. And it, w- it, it got an audible... And these are really solid guys. It was a room of about 50, um, and some of them are now in the assessment process. Mm-hmm. They felt liberated, like, yeah. oh, we can do that. Like, yeah, you, you live – like your music, your ministry. Yeah, just how you parent, uh, how you spend your money, yeah. um, just all those those practical things. We don't realize how much those are informed by the culture that we've grown up in and that our priorities are oriented by that. Uh, and so it, it's – and that's not defeating to us that we have nothing to offer. 
it's just a reminder of to focus on the main things. Uh, you know, the, just the, the phrase, make the main things, the, the plain things are the main things mm -hmm. and make the main things the plain things. Mm -hmm. And that's what we need to be about uh, around the world. You know, I was I was fascinated recently. I was reading, so Ralph Winter is the kind of uh, one of the fathers of the Unreached People Groups methodology, which has resulted in a lot of uh, rapid uh, discipleship making, a lot of putting uh, people into leadership before they're ready um, and different things. Not, not exclusively, but it's on its fringes done that. And so I was surprised to read Ralph Winter. This is back in the early 80s. And he was talking about one of the um, measures for success that he saw in, in considering a people group reached was that there was leaders among the group that was able to interact with the original languages of the text. So his aspiration for villages in Africa was that there would be leaders that knew Greek and Hebrew uh, and were able to um, indigenously theologize uh, through uh, study of the scriptures. And so I thought, man, that's that's a that's a barrier for or a, bur a, a barometer for success that we we mm. kind of let go, and we should probably bring back. Mm. Scott Zeller, a fountain of wisdom, um, not not much to look at, but man, he is. Mm. He's just dripping My with, with wisdom. My mother loves me. <laughs> uh, just kidding. Scott is a he's a good looking dude, and uh, at least I still have my hair. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, so we're we're talking about discipleship uh, on this podcast, as as you've been hearing. Uh, this is uh, one of the the competencies, uh, eleven competencies in Acts twenty nine that uh, we. We look for characteristics in a church planter. This one is very obvious and very basic. Um, and uh, but I've been uh, encouraged and uh, instructed just by some of the things you've said. Um, and so, Scott, I just want to say thanks for for what you're doing uh, in Dubai, what you're doing in emerging regions. Uh, it's a pleasure, man, to to work with you uh, and to be encouraged by you. Um, why don't you tell the listeners how they can keep up with you? Uh, website, church website, social media, anything like that. Yeah, uh, RedeemerDubai.com is our uh, is our church website. Um, I'm on Twitter at Scott underscore 2300. Um, and the best other way just to connect with us is, hey, when you're flying through Dubai, uh, stop over, be here on a Friday, or be there on a Friday and worship with us. We worship Friday mornings. Uh, Dubai is the busiest international airport in the world, so I know some people listening to this fly through. We'd love to meet you there. Uh, come and join, join us in worship. Excellent. Thanks, brother.